Welcome to the night. You think you know Night Demon? Then the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast is for you. Step into the darkness as we peel back the curtain to give you an unprecedented, all-access look into the mind and the heart of the demon. We're talking band history, song analysis, studio anecdotes, stories from the road. It's everything a diehard Night Demon fan could want and more. This is the only place to learn the inside scoop, the deep dive trivia, the untold tales from the band members themselves and those closest to the Night Demon story. Need more? The sacred Night Demon crypt will be pried open to reveal demo recordings that have never before seen the light of day. All with in-depth commentary by the band and the people who were there for the writing and recording process. This is a gold mine, a treasure trove of all things Night Demon. Head over to nightdemon.net or wherever you listen to podcasts. Holy Shanker group right here on your classic metal show from their Save Yourself release with uh, Bad Boys. And uh, speaking of Bad Boys, <laughs> I uh, asked you to watch a cult classic movie, which I know you weren't too happy about once you got into it. Yeah, I hated it. Well, I'm sure you did, <laughs> but but I'm sure you might have taken away some something from it aside from i hate this movie and it sucks yeah i mean i watched it i um oh i'll let you explain it first and then we'll we'll get into it but go all ahead. right all right so um i have hbo max mm -hmm. as you do yes and um so i i was flipping through the newly added movies cuz i was looking for something to watch Right. And what popped up on my screen was the 1969 Peter Fonda movie. Um, easy Rider. Yeah, Easy Rider. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, I saw that movie years ago. I mean, obviously, it's 50 years old, 51 years old or so. Sure. And I thought, I haven't seen this movie probably in... I think I may have watched it once, like back in the eighties, it maybe came up like on uh, HBO or something back okay. then. And, you know, so I watched it back then and I haven't seen it since. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of in a nostalgia mood and I thought, you know what, I'm going to watch this movie because I don't, I, I remember some, some stuff about it, but I don't recall the whole thing. And Jack Nicholson was in it, which he's usually pretty good in everything he's in. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought, okay, I'm kind of like in a sentimental, nostalgic mood. I'm going to watch this Easy Rider and see if I take anything away from it as somebody who's, you know, had life experience now. Right. And so I'm watching this movie and several things popped out at me. Okay. One of the things that popped out and I and I was aware of this before but I didn't give it much thought. One of the people in this movie was somebody who kind of made a name for herself in the 80s but she was all the way back in 1969 was Tony Basil, Basil. Basil, yeah. Oh, oh, Mickey, you're so fine. Yeah. She was in this movie. She was. And I'm thinking to myself, holy shit, when did when did Mickey come out? 83? 
Yeah. 20 years later. <laughs> yeah. So Tony Basil was in this as an adult. Yeah. She, she played a, she played a hooker or, you know, a, what do you want to call a girl? She worked at a brothel, mm-hmm. but yet yeah. she, she made an MTV video in 1983 as a, as a cheerleader. Right. And She actually looks younger there than she did 20 years earlier. I agree with that. That that was what I was thinking. And I, I'll never forget this video because I could not believe how fat the cheerleaders were. Oh, yeah. They, well, let's put that up on the screen here. <laughs> they, were, they were pork on the hoof. Yeah. Put it back up here. Let's play a little more. Who <laughs> thought that was a good idea, putting these chunky chicks in? in uh... Well, you know they did it to make her look better. I guess. That's the only reason they would have done that is to make her look better. Cause they probably, cause they knew that they were trying to dress this old hag up as a young kid. Well, uh, let's see if she was in her twenties and 69, she would have been in her forties. Yeah, She would have been close to 40 if she wasn't 40. And she was playing to a 15 year old audience. Honestly, I mean, this music wasn't for adults. No, of course not. This was for, this was what? 83, 84, something yeah, like 83, that. 84. Yeah, you're right. So I was like 14. Yeah. So this was 15 years later. If she was like 20, say she was 20 or 22 in the movie, yeah. she would have been in her mid to late thirties in this, in this video. She might've been the first middle-aged woman I jerked to. <laughs> Cause I can tell you, I jerked off to some Tony Basil at some See, point. You thought this segment was going to suck because I made you watch easy, right? Well, no, that, that, I'll tell you what the, uh, the hour and a half to get to this joke suck. <laughs> I'll tell you that straight up that hour and a half was brutal, but, but, but there's more, there's more to my observations here. Do you want to see more fat cheerleaders? Are we good? No, let's see a couple more chunky chicks dancing around in, in skimpy, uh, cheerleader outfits. outfits. All right, there we go. Yeah, they are fat. You notice even the big pom-poms can't cover this fat girl over here. She's got the big pom. I'm going to rewind this just a little bit. Look at the pom-poms. They're shaking the pom-poms and, and the one girl on this side is so fat that they don't even cover her. Watch. See?
that girl's too fat. <laughs> I can't believe they couldn't have photoshopped that out or done something to fix it. Yeah. I know they didn't have CGI back then, but they just CGI'd moving them and making them smaller. Right. They couldn't have CGI'd fatso there, made her a little skinnier. Well, you gotta you gotta admit though that at least Tony, you know, kept it together in into her thirties. Yeah. Yeah, she did. Yeah. So so what I found that at number one, that was one of the interesting things. It's just like, holy shit, yeah, Tony Basil was in this thing. Yeah, exactly. And then and of course, you know, nobody knew who she was then, but she got like top billing in that movie. Yeah, she was Mary. Yeah. Yeah, she's Mary the whore. Yeah, Mary the whore. Now was she one of the swimmers? No, she was one of the girls at the brothel in, in brothel. New Orleans. All right. I I I saw her name in the credits too, and I was like, hmm, I wonder who she was, but well, she was one of the girls that went to the graveyard and got high on the LSD shit. Okay. Well, that seemed like the whole fucking movie, including the producer, <laughs> the filmographer, everything. But well, there, there's more to the story, and this is gonna tie into something that you know what a friend of the show is, okay. is uh involved with okay do we have a friend of the show that was involved in easy rider no 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 just just in the genre of movie making okay good so so then the next thing was what i didn't realize back then until this you know till he made headlines after killing a girl in his house was uh phil specter oh yeah phil specter in it too phil specter was in the movie early on buying cocaine Right. <laughs> All right. So what was interesting to me is that I, I know that cocaine has been around a long time, mm-hmm. but cocaine really hit its peak in the eighties, late seventies during the disco era into the eighties. Cocaine was like the drug of choice. Sure. Uh-huh. Well, this was 1969 and these guys were, you know, lining this shit out and snorting it up and testing the quality of it right and if you've never seen easy rider uh peter fonda and and um dennis hopper dennis hopper they go to new they go to mexico right and they supposedly score this cocaine down there and they bring it back to la and some rich la guy gives them a shit ton of money for bringing them a big full of cocaine right and the interesting thing is is the way that they what i found interesting is that is that the more things change the more they stay the same because the way they they were smooning it up and snorting it up and lining it out and stuff nothing changed in the way that people were consuming cocaine for 30 years other than i'm going to say one thing that has changed slightly I can't tell you the last time I saw the fucking Coke snorting spoon that the one guy was using the little tiny, tiny yeah, spoon. Yeah, the, the the Coke spoon. Yeah. I can't remember the last time I saw one of those. Now it, it's gotten to the point now where most people, they just either lean into the desk and snort it, or they put it on their finger and, and snort it. I can't remember the last time I saw one of those little tiny had to be, when I was in high school, last time I saw one of them. Well, movies. again, the eighties. Yeah. It's been 40 years since that, since that, but other, yeah. yeah, it's still the same, same consumption, same methods. Yeah. So, so th- that, that to me was sort of interesting in itself. 
Mm-hmm. Now, now, obviously, this movie was capitalizing on the the drug and the hippie culture, the counterculture, as it were. Right. And, um, you know, they were trying to make a statement that in conservative America, that guys with shaggy, longer hair riding a bike, just not acceptable. Yeah. And, of course, you know, at the time, the Vietnam War was going on and... Uh, you know, people had dim views. Now I remember, you know, growing up that hearing my parents mm-hmm. seeing these hell's angels riding along us 30 outside of Pittsburgh there where, where we lived. Right. And it was just like, look at those dirt bags, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the whole, the whole sure. scowling at the, oh. at the sight of these people, look at these guys. Mm-hmm. And, and that just kind of brought back those memories of just like, look, look at those, look at those dirty bikers. Oh yeah, definitely. But if you look at Peter Fonda, uh, in this movie, I mean, he, he, his hair's not really that long No, and he's fairly clean cut, clean shaven for the most part. He doesn't yeah. look like a dirty hippie at all. Mm-hmm. And he's riding the, uh, what is it? The captain America bike. Yeah. <laughs> the, the whole the whole red white and blue and he's got the uh, american flag on his jacket yeah, yeah and the whole thing you know so so here here's the here's a couple of the takeaways that i had which was kind of interesting okay so they 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 bring that cocaine up from mexico they sell it there in la which is where they're from mm-hmm. they, they make a shit ton of money then I don't know because it's not really clear in the movie if if that money afforded them the ability to go buy those choppers or if they owned those choppers before. Yeah, I, I, they didn't really say. I think they owned them before because they just went straight from the deal to loading that, that pipe thing up with the money and sticking it in the chopper gas tank yeah so i don't know if they took their score that money that they got and went out and got nice bikes because they were going to make their pilgrimage across the u.s to go to mardi gras in in uh, new orleans right right mm-hmm. but the bikes were really sharp nice yeah they were they were sweet they were chromed out you know they were they were hardtail bikes and they they were just you know just really really sharp looking machines. Mm-hmm. So, so I can't imagine two scruffy, you know, hippies having that kind of coin to buy a nice bike prior to making that score with the drug deal. And in 1969, they would have walked into the bike shop and somebody would have chased them away with a bat. They wouldn't have, they wouldn't have got in just looking all scruffy like that. Yeah, of course. So, so of course they take that money. As you mentioned, they take all that money, roll it up, put it in that, uh, that plastic tube yeah, and put it in their gas tank because they're thinking ahead. Like, well, what if we get jacked out there on the road? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so we'll have it hidden. Nobody will know it's in the gas tank and we'll have our score and we can go, you know, kind of live our life. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, the first thing that, that stood out to me is when they, when they headed out on the road to, to make their ride over to new Orleans for Mardi Gras, they, they pull into a, they pull into a little, um, motel mm-hmm. and instead of, you know, getting off the bike and going in and registering, they're sitting outside honking their horn, revving their bikes and yelling, do you have any rooms? 
Yeah. <laughs> and of course, the guy who runs the place, probably a privately owned hotel, motel. Right. He's probably like scared shitless that there's two dudes out here yelling at my hotel, exactly. revving their bikes, honking their horn and yelling. Do you have any rooms? Of course, he's not going to rent them a room. Right. Get ready to kill them. <laughs> exactly. So, so that alone was just like, and again, I know this is a movie, but I'm, I'm trying to rationalize this, which mm-hmm. you, know, you can't with movie, but it's just like, what are you thinking? Right. I mean, if you really wanted a room, you'd act like a decent person and go on in and say, Hey, you got any rooms for rent? You know, I want to, you know, I want a room and flash some cash and get your room and do your thing. But instead you're out there honking your horn and revving your engine and yelling, do you have any rooms? Right. <laughs> I mean, what was that all about? Yeah. I don't know. That was, that was just, that was just stupid. Well, who wrote this movie? Was it well, Peter Fonda, Peter Fonda wrote the movie. Hmm. And then I'm getting to this because this is kind of, this kind of dovetails into what I'm talking about as far as a friend of the show. Okay. This, this was an independent movie. I don't know if you're not aware of this or not, but Dennis Hopper and Peter Fonda actually wrote this movie and produced it and paid for it themselves. Oh, I did not know that. This was this. So this, so when I'm watching this and understanding, you know, the genesis of this movie, mm-hmm. I, I think of our good friend, Drew. Okay. It was an independent movie maker. Okay. You know, and, and, uh, Peter Fonda actually bankrolled this movie himself. Yeah. And he had a budget of like $400,000. Wow. They made this movie for under 400,000. You know what this grossed in the box office worldwide? I know it's huge because it went a billion, half a billion. Well, not quite that, but in, I'm talking about the year of release. Oh, probably like a hundred million, which was not quite 60 million, but even that in 1969, that's like $2 billion today or whatever. Exactly. That's, that's like transformers money today. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, dude, that happens every once in a while. It's like that. Remember that, um, Rob, what's his name? Richard Rodriguez or whatever that guy, what was his movie that he made the El Mariachi or something. And it, he made it for like $4,000 and it did like a billion dollars. Well, we'll look at, we'll look at uh, somebody more current, like, um, Kevin Smith. Yeah. With clerks and clerks, 60,000 to make it made, you know, a few hundred million dollars. Yeah. Going to Merrimax. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, dude, it happens, but not really often. Yeah. Well, you know who else made a shit ton of money by not spending a lot of money and making a movie who Jethro from, uh, Beverly Hillbillies, Max Bear. What did he make? He made a Georgia County line. Okay. And that was like, like a hundred thousand dollars to make the movie. And he made like 40 million on it. Look, look it up real quick. See if you can look that up. Look, look up Max Bear. I think it, I think it was called Georgia County line. And it was like 1974 or something like that. And he financed it himself a hundred percent. And it made a lot of money. He spent $225,000 on the film. It became the most profitable film of 1974, earning 18.8 million and over 30 million worldwide. There you go. That's a pretty good. Yeah. For $200,000 and making, you know, 20 million. (laughs) 
guess Jethro wasn't such a fucking moron after all. Not at not at all. Yeah, because he wasn't he the one like the only successful one off of that show. Pretty much, yeah. Like all the rest of them just died, or well, I mean, obviously, uh, Granny. I think she died. That uh, what was her name? Irene Ryan. She died like right at the end of the show, the end of the run of the show. She passed away. Same and then, of course, Buddy Ebsen, his career was more in the 40s and 50s and 60s. Right. You know, and then, well, he had he had his career with, um, what was the show that he had after Beverly Hillbillies? He was like a detective or something like that. What's his name? Buddy Ebsen? Yeah. People are going to wonder if this is a highlight show with all these old references that we're going to here. Yeah. He died in 2003. Yeah, but he had a show, like a detective show or something. Looking, let's see. Film, television. Uh, where's the Beverly Hill? Uh, Beverly Hillbillies. Um, then he was on Gunsmoke for one episode. Then he was on Bonanza for one episode. Then he was on Barnaby Jones. That's for, it, Barnaby Jones. For 178 episodes. Yeah, there you go. He had a whole nother career after Beverly Hillbillies. Then he was on Cannon. Remember Cannon? Yes, that fat guy with the mustache. Right. And then Matt Houston. Holy shit. I've been yeah. Forever. Matt Houston. And then Burke's Law. And then finally King of the Hill. Yeah, well, I was thinking Barnaby Jones was his his series. Yeah. Barnaby Jones. Yeah, but he did okay. Yeah, he did fine. But that, he, he used to call into O&A, which was hilarious. They would just fuck with him something awful when he would call into O&A. But that Donna Douglas, she really never did anything after no. uh, Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah. And then that Nancy Culp, the, that uh, Jane, Miss Jane. Yeah. She ran as like a politician in Pennsylvania or something like that. Yeah, she she claims she's an Indian, right? No. It's Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> no, that she she ran like a politician and she had a big falling out with Buddy Ebsen over there because Buddy Ebsen wouldn't endorse her. Oh <laughs> nice. Yeah, well, and what happened to Mr. Drysdale? Do you know? No idea. He just went away and died. Yeah. So, so anyway, getting back to easy rider. Yeah. So, so these two, these two guys, they're flush with cash mm -hmm. and they're, you know, they're riding the streets of, of, uh, you know, the, the roads of the U S now, mind you, the, the distance between LA and new Orleans is 1900 miles. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So, so if they're knocking out say 400 miles a day. Mm -hmm. They could get there in four days. Sure. But they pick up some hitchhiker guy. Right. And, and he's, he's a true hippie, you know, lives off the land, got the free love chicks. Right. Takes them to the, his commune. You know, he, he picks up the tab and pays for their gas and stuff because they picked them up and gave him a ride. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, he takes them to their commune in New Mexico. Right. And, uh, they hang out there for a day, but here's, here's the thing that, you know, I had to sit there and wonder because they kept saying, we got to make it to new Orleans for, for Mardi Gras, man. We can't, we can't spend too much time. And it's just like, you know, it's like six days away. It's like, is it going to take you six days to get to new Orleans? It's only 1900 miles and you're already in new Mexico. 
man, you are the most liberal watching movie, movie <laughs> guy ever. You're literally sitting there with a fucking calculator and a map. Well, it's all in my head because I traveled those roads. I could just see you now. You're sitting on your waterbed going up and down on the waterbed while you're flipping pages <laughs> in your map. Got one of those fucking um, maps that, you know, with the different pages. And you're like, well, if you take Route 40. Exactly. Uh, you could probably get there in like 1,700 miles. You cut off 200 miles. What are these right. guys fucking talking about six days? Exactly. <laughs> but they were so worried that they were not going to make it to Mardi Gras on time. And it's just like, dude, you're, you're like 500 miles away. I mean, wh what the fuck are you doing? Plus your fucking criminals that made the score of your life. Go to next year's Mardi Gras. <laughs> exactly. So I didn't get that part because they acted like that. They were so far away and it was just like, you're halfway there already. Yeah. you got a thousand miles to go. You can knock that out in a day and a half. How about you ride those bikes over to the nearest airport and jump a plane, dickhead? <laughs> but, but of course, they're they're cruising the roads of America. It's like so. I'm trying to calculate, and I and I agree with your assessment, Chris. <laughs> I'm trying to calculate in my head. Well, how many miles are they knocking out a day? <laughs> what are they doing? Like 200 miles a day, right? Which is nothing. Well, part of it, and maybe this is why it doesn't relate into your head. Is the whole getting stoned and being fucked up part? Yeah, I guess, and, and I'm, I'm going to get to that point because of because of the Jack Nicholson character. Yeah, well, I get it, but I, I'm saying they were doing that the whole time, and that's why they were like, "Dude, I know you don't know this, but when you're stoned, believe me, getting somewhere in a timely manner not of great importance. <laughs> you're stoned. It's like, dude, let's just fucking chill here for a minute, man. Right. You know, and, and believe me, the way they were talking and stuff, they were all fucking cranked up." <laughs> on weed or peyote or something because you know even the way the film was cut i honestly think the camera guy was fucking hopped up on peyote or something the way they would just randomly show fucking empty mountains and shit i was like that was my takeaway was these guys are fucked up right you know and i know that's the mood they were trying to set but i really think they were really fucked up when they were making this movie well they were all on lsd making the movie i guess oh, they had to be because they were all fucked yeah so so they you know it's just like yeah you know mardi gras is five days away and we don't want to miss it and it's like dude you're like you're like 15 hours away from <laughs> New oh. orleans <laughs> how, how what what are you going to do over the next five days and let's be honest, you got fucking naked chicks in the water giving you hand jobs in the pool. So why the fuck? What do you think you're going to get over in fucking Mardi Gras that you're not getting there? Well, he he of course had that business card for that uh, that whorehouse. Yeah, and they had the top notch whores over there, which of course was Tony Basil. <laughs> yeah, Tony Basil, one of the whores. Right. So so they get over to New Orleans, right? And and. You know, Mardi Gras going on, so they check into a hotel, and then they go to this top-notch whorehouse over there and hook up with these chicks. Well, before they left the commune with the hippie dude, mm -hmm. he, he passed off some LSD to them. Right. And said, here, share this with, you know, the good people or people that you yeah. like or something to that effect, you know. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they hook up with these whores. 
and they don't even do anything with these chicks. They're just like, yeah, let's go out on the bourbon street and see what's going on. It's like, you're not fucking these chicks or, you know, doing anything with them aside from, yeah, let's, let's wine and dine them and let's like hang out. Yeah, that was, I, I thought that too, that, that whole scene where, um, what's his name? Not Des Hopper, um, Peter Fonda. Yeah. Peter Fonda's sitting with that chick and, and, and she's like, oh, you don't, you're not hungry. And he's like, no, I'm not really hungry, man. <laughs> you know? And I was like, dude, take that broad and fuck her. She was totally saying, saying, put your cock in my fucking holster. <laughs> and, and, and he wasn't doing it. So he's like, oh, you know, man, this fucking chicken's a little dry. It's right. like, eat the, fuck the food. <laughs> fuck the food. Right. Go and fucking bang that chick. Right. It's just, uh, nah, you know, it's, I, I wanted to punch both of them for that, uh, man, you know, that, that whole laissez-faire fucking terrible attitude. Oh, dude, everything's okay, man. You know, right, right. Just have some fun. <laughs> you guys are here and we're here. And if you put it all together, that means we're all here, man. It's like, oh, fuck you. You got good pussy right there. Fucking stab it. Exactly. Jesus. Yeah, you paid for it. Yeah, no kidding. I'm sure you didn't buy the fucking pussy so that you could fucking eat dinner with it. <laughs> Jesus. Well, anyway, they they uh, prior to New Orleans, they they get busted in a in a New Mexico town for quote unquote illegally parading without a permit. <laughs> yeah, what was that? There's a parade in town, so they join the parade with their bikes. Right. And, and and because of their look, I'm sure, of course, mm -hmm. because they're they're these outlaw biker hippie dudes, man. Mm -hmm. We don't want your type in our town, man. Yeah, pal. So they get they get arrested. Yeah. And they meet this Jack Nicholson uh in in jail because he's jailed because of pu uh, public drunkenness. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, he's kind of a local dude and the cops are aware of him. He's kind of like Otis. On yeah. Andy Griffith's show, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, he got drunk last night, so we locked him up until he got sober. But you know, as soon as he sobered up, we'd get bring him some coffee and set him on his way, because mm -hmm. he's just our local drunk. He means no harm, but you know, because we don't want him to harm himself, we just lock him up for his own good. So he's a lawyer, a local lawyer. Right. And uh, he kind of makes connection with Peter Fonda and Dennis Hopper, and he he talks the cops out of letting them go, right? With a small fine, mm -hmm. gets them out of jail, and so he's you know because he's straight man, you know he's he's a he's a legit or what do you want to call? He's a citizen. He he finds uh, their their lifestyle secretly, uh, you know, fascinating, right? And they like, where are you guys going, man? Well, we're going to New Orleans. Oh, man, I always wanted to go. <laughs> so he goes, I'm just going to go with you, man. Dude, you, got gonna... some, you got room on the back of your Harley, man. <laughs> I'm just going to throw caution to the wind, and I'm going to wear my old football helmet. <laughs> Dude, I got a helmet. I got a, I got a great helmet. Right. That fucking faggot ass gold football helmet. <laughs> <laughs> which he tried to throw away, but his mom rescued it from the trash. Yeah. It's like, what is this? It's no wonder nurse ratchet filled you up with pills. You asshole. 
What if she drilled a hole in your head and lobotomized you? <laughs> Fucking, you look like a moron. Yeah. So, so he joins the boys on the road for an adventure, mm-hmm. and and he's enjoying himself and you know living free and living wild and you know he he's he's ready to uh, give up his uh, straight life because these guys are showing him the way. Yeah. So they get into a Louis. Hold on, before you go there. Yes. I I know that a lot of people love the Jack Nicholson part in this movie. I fucking hated him <laughs> in this movie. All and right. I, now I want to know why. It, it, uh, it, it, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. All right. Before you get into this, uh-huh. I, I know you hated watching this movie. I hated it. But now listening to you, I can tell you have some definite ideas. Here. I do. I Dude, I watch it. Believe me. It's. I don't think in the history, of, to give some backstory, Yes. I don't think in the history of this show, I've been doing the show with you since 2003. Mm-hmm. I don't think in that length of time, you've ever said to me, I need you to watch something. I well, have never done that, but, but I wanted to bring this to the show because this is such a cult, cult right. classic. That mm-hmm. people revere it as some right. some great film. Yeah, it's garbage, and it it really is. It's it's trash. It's terrible. But, but I wanted to review right. it because I knew you would have a brutal take on oh. it after watching it and going, "Holy shit, this and is I a do. piece of garbage." And I do. It is shit. It's sort of shit. <laughs> but to be fair, since okay. this was the only time I've ever been asked to do something. I set aside two hours to not be bothered even by work. Okay. To watch it. And I watched it intently. I didn't watch it while I was texting and while I was working on other shit. I I sat in and I watched every nook and cranny of this bag of shit. <laughs> and I have definite takes on just about everything here. Okay. The reason I don't like the 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 Jack Nicholson. Is because a I've seen him and and this maybe in 1969 this wouldn't have bothered me but it bothers me now. I've seen him for most of his career be a smarter, sophisticated criminal. Yes, and to see him being a dumb fuck drunk was <laughs> was just silly and retarded. Okay. Second part, and this is one little two second scene that made me want to fucking throw a rock at this guy and hit him. The, when he got out of jail, yes, and he's outside and he has the bottle of Jim Beam with him, or Jack, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's he's got to he, take his first drink of the day. He takes that first drink and he goes, yep, 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 yep. I was like, you, what is wrong with you? I was like, you are a fucking asshole, right? And if I was those guys on those bikes, there's no way I would let a guy making those noises get on my bike with me. <laughs> Especially in any slap on that fucking tarred helmet. There's no fucking way you're taking that guy with you. Right. You just know he's a problem. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I liked when he got beat to death. All right. I was happy when he got his ass beat and killed. But that leads to a whole nother part of stupid stupidness that I'm sure you're going to get to. So I'll wait on that. All right. But I hated him. I hated every part of him. They're in the fucking restaurant and the rednecks are all getting ready to beat their ass. And he's like, you 
know. I really don't think these people like me very much. It's like, gee, you think fucking Sherlock? And then he puts his helmet on in the fuck. These people already think he's a fucking goofball. And he puts on the fucking helmet in the restaurant. Was like, if I was, if I was those cops, I'd have pulled my gun out and just shot him. <laughs> Nobody would have cared. I doubt anybody would have stopped eating. Because he was such a fucking obnoxious goober. Oh, my God. I hated him. I love I love the fact that you actually got into the movie. I watched it. I watched it intently. I, I, I didn't know because you didn't tell me what you wanted to talk about. So I watched it so that I would understand the movie and I would have thoughts on just about all of it. And I well, did. And it is a bag of shit. <laughs> I will say that. It is. For a movie that is revered as one of the greatest fucking low budget of all time, it is the greatest piece of shit at low budget of all time. Yeah. Garbage. Well, well what I found funny, and, and one of the, and since you brought up the whole cafe scene where they went in and the, the locals were just like, Yeah, let's let's hang these hippies. Fuck those. Yeah. yeah. I like the fact that those young girls were just like all thrilled. Mm-hmm. And found them exciting, and was just like, "Woo, where they come from? <laughs> Maybe they'll fuck us." <laughs> well, here's here's an interesting backstory about that movie. Okay, being that this was a low budget independent film, mm-hmm. all of those people were local. I don't doubt that. None of them could act. Well, no, they couldn't. But that's the whole thing. They they captured the uh, essence of just the localism. Of, of people who were not, who were encountering somebody who was not of the norm around their area. Well, I'm not sure where they shot it, but they certainly were not shy on dropping N-bombs. <laughs> well, it was Louisiana. That was actually filmed in Louisiana, that part anyway. Well, clearly the town they were in, not big fan of the black man. Well, that's South, that's Louisiana South. Yeah, there's plenty of black people in Louisiana. Yeah, I understand that. But uh, anyway, so so you brought up the fact that Jack Nicholson got beat to death. Yes. So so these locals who you know look at these hippies, goddamn it, let's get you know get out of here. <laughs> you know you drug taking long haired hippies. Right. So they they found their encampment outside of town and just went out there with ball bats and started beating on them. Yeah. And Jack Nicholson gets beat basically bludgeoned to death right well here's the weird thing so these these two dudes dennis hopper and and uh, uh peter fonda mm-hmm. this guy that they're with he gets beat to death yeah and they roll him up in a sleeping bag and all they do is vow that they're going to return his personal belongings to his family <laughs> yeah it was it, i i thought that was weird too they're like Oh man, that fucking sucked. Dude, that fucking sucked, man. But you know, let's take this helmet. We'll give it back to his mom, dude. Yeah. Stop. Well, we'll leave his corpse out here to rot in a sleep. Yeah. <laughs> nobody, nobody calling the police. And I get it. They're criminals, so they can't really call the police, but nothing. Just like, all right, well, dude, cool. Let's 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 all right. just stomp out that fire. Make sure you don't set the place on fire and yeah. we're just gonna leave him rolled up in this sleeping bag. We're just gonna head on to New Orleans without him. Fuck that guy. <laughs> let's make sure we get his wallet, man, so we don't have to pay for the gas. It's fucking awesome awful. And 
holy shit i was just like well what what are you gonna do from here hey you know we're just gonna make sure he gets his his family gets his dude it's gonna be cool man we're gonna send his mom his tie and this hat holy fuck like what the hell oh my god terrible that that was so disjointed at that point it was just like there's a dead guy laying here that got beat to death and you're just gonna leave him there and just take his shit well, dude, it's not like we can ride him the rest of the way. We got our motorcycle. We got to be in, in New Orleans in two days, dude. Right, of course. Dude, we're on a schedule. We can't we can't book time out for dead guys. Exactly. It's not in the plan, man. Throw me some of that peyote and let's get back on the road. <laughs> so anyway, we, we kind of covered them getting into New Orleans and going to the horror house and picking up Tony Basil. <laughs> Yeah. And and again, you know, they didn't bang these chicks out, at least not in the movie. No. And they're just like, yeah, let's go out on the street. Let's go see what's happening out there. And then they go to one of these, uh, you know, and, and I've been to New Orleans several times and I've actually walked through some of these um, cemeteries. Okay. Which, which, you know, they're, they're basically all over the place down there right but but down in the french quarter i've actually walked through a couple of the cemeteries down in that area Mm -hmm. so so watching that i was like yeah i i think i've been there (laughs) but but they're they're on a they're on an acid trip in the cemetery you know which which was kind of bizarre it just you know again i i don't know anything about taking acid i've never done that yeah, but but I guess they're they were trying to depict what that's like to be on an acid trip. Sure, but instead of banging these chicks out, they're they're in a cemetery taking LSD. Right, that shit must be pretty good. Instead instead of banging out a nice wet pussy, I'd rather sit in a cold cemetery on a on a marble stone, you know, tripping balls. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what there's yeah. not. I don't know what you're not getting about that. I guess I don't get it. <laughs> Personally, I would enjoy the uh, the comforts of a woman rather than just go, man. Let's go to a cemetery and drop acid, man. Dude, the pussy'd be nice, but it's not as nice as a fucking good high, dude. Exactly. So so anyway, after the whole Mardi Gras thing, they're back out on the road. And some, some of the locals see these guys riding along on their, their choppers, man. And they're just like these dirty hippies. So they just, so these guys on a pickup truck decide, man, let's scare the fuck out of these assholes, man. Commie pinko bastards. Yeah. (laughs) So this guy in a pickup truck grabs his shotgun off the rack of his uh, pickup truck there and shoots Dennis Hopper. Yeah, and that was knocked him right off his bike. He's got road rash. He's dying out on the road. Mm-hmm. Peter Fonda goes back to you know check on him. Takes his jacket off, covers him up. Says he's gonna go for help. I'm gonna go get some help, man. Then uh, he gets back on his bike. The pickup truck turns around. The guy with the shotgun comes back, blows him away. Yeah, and his bike, and that's the end of the movie. Uh, and and. Believe me, nothing made me happier than when he died. <laughs> when he died and the fucking credits started rolling, I was like, bravo! And not 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 cheering the movie. I was just cheering the credits rolling. 
So, so here's the takeaway for, for me personally. All right. Our, our friend drew 40 Yeah. Who, who's a, um, you know, he's an independent, uh, movie maker. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's done some things. Obviously we've been able to take part in some of his stuff. Sure. And he's become a friend of the show. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I took away from this, as far as independent films are concerned. Yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, Peter Fonda had a name. Dennis Hopper had a name and, and they had some success in their careers in the movie business and Hollywood and stuff. But you know, these, these guys, I don't know what, if they came in at the right time, because I'm sure that they made their, their movie career or their, their livelihood from being able to write and perform and, and, you know, be in movies and stuff. The only thing that I could think of, you know, when, when our good friend drew where our good friend drew is concerned is, man, I, I wish that guy as much success as those guys have had, Oh yeah, you know, it'd be nice. You know, I, he certainly made a better movie than these fucks. <laughs> I actually enjoyed dwellers. You know, this is, this is shit. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, I don't know that I can even be your friend anymore, wasting an hour and a half of my time like that. Well, it, it made for a good hour of the show. You know, I'll give you that. It did make for a good segment on the show, but my God. But but that was just the funniest thing is that, uh, you know, uh, Peter Fonda made his bones, as it were, his his uh, uh, reputation as this kind of like this biker guy. Every time he's in a movie, he's almost like a biker guy all the time. Sure. And he was in Wild Hogs. Right. Did you watch Wild Hogs? Yeah, I saw yeah, that. Yeah, his name, what was his name, Blade or Blaze? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah he was the head of that biker group, man. Yeah. You know, he was he was born to be wild, man. Yeah, head out on the highway. Exactly. And just, and just to see people like, um, you know, Tony Basil in the movie who, you know, of course, everybody was like, who, who the fuck's Tony Basil? But then, of course, she made a name for herself in the 80s, mm-hmm. which one hit wonder. Yeah. You know, what? what is she doing now? Who knows? Probably still living off of fucking Mickey money. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, Phil Spector being in the movie, which was kind of funny. Know what he's doing now? Well, he's dead. That's what he's doing. He died. He's doing time in the ground. Well, he he supposedly died of COVID. Well, sure, he did. From a little boy's asshole. <laughs> I don't know that he was a pedophile, but he, wasn't he a pedophile? Oh no! Oh no, no! He blew. He blew, he blew away that. Uh, yeah. That, that that B B movie actress. Who's the guy that moved to Taiwan? Oh, Gary Glitter. Gary Glitter. Sorry, I mixed them. <laughs> no, no, no. Phil Spector. Phil yeah. Spector blew away that actress, that yeah. that B movie actress. Yeah, he shot her in the head. Exactly. Yeah. But he he died just a couple of months ago, supposedly of COVID. You know, Tony Basil. What a career this Tony Basil's had. I just pulled her up real quick. She must have, she must have made, I'm telling you, she's made her money in the Mickey money. She stopped making movies in 1990. She stopped being in movies until 2019. Okay. She did a bit part uncredited in, in once upon a time in Hollywood, which is actually a fun movie. If you haven't seen that, 
Um, then she had Word of Mouth, which was the big album for her um, with Mickey on it in nine, 1982. And then the, the follow-up, Tony Basil in 1983, that had nothing on it and didn't sell for dick. And that's the end of her recording career. And that's it. I don't know. Let me see. Does it say that now she's a teacher in fucking some dumb city or something? What does she do now? Early life, dance career, music career, acting career, filmmaking career, awards and acting. No. In 2012, she presented the Electric Boogaloos with a Lifetime Achievement Award. Boy, that had to be a well-attended event. Featuring the Electric Boogaloos and Tony Basil in the same place at the same time. Wow. How could you not buy a ticket to that? That was at the show, the carnival choreographer's ball. What do you think there? Two, three people at the event. The electric boogaloos. Get the fuck out of here. What is this? Yeah. She's done nothing. All, all her credits are Mickey. Mickey and easy rider. Let's see if she did any other movies. Um, um, most of her acting is even uncredited. Viva Las Vegas, Robin and the Seven Hoods, Pajama Party, Tammy Show, Village of the Giants, Breakaway, Head, uh, Sweet Charity. Those are all pre-Easy Rider. Then she's an Easy Rider. Then she was in Myra Breckenridge. Do you know that movie? No. Five Easy Pieces. The last movie, here's a big one, Greaser's Palace. <laughs> Greaser's Palace. Is it like a spinoff from, from the movie Grease or something? It's a 1972 American Western film written and directed by Robert Downey Sr. It stars Alan Arbus as Jesse, a man with amnesia who heals the sick resurrects the dead and tap dances on water in the American frontier. What kind of movie is that? That might be our homework for next week to both watch greasers palace. All right. This guy has amnesia, but he heals the sick resurrects the dead and tap dances on water. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Then she was in Wonton Ton, the dog who saved Hollywood. Then Mother Jugs and Speed, Citizen Soldier, Slaughterhouse Rock, Angel 3, the final chapter, Rockula, Pacific Palisades, Catching Fire, Eating, and then Once Upon a Time in America. That is a fucking celebrity career of nothing. Wow. Nothing. And no TV to note because she was too big for TV. <laughs> you know, she was, <laughs> she wasn't that Mickey video. That's about the only thing I, of all of that. Anybody remembers that and fucking easy rider. Oof, what a disappointment of a career. Disappointed. Disappointed. Now she's 77 going off. Oh, I would have just got that break. She that old already. Yeah. She's almost 80. 77, born oh, in 1943. Wow. wow. So she was born in 43. 43, 53, 63. She was 26 years old in the Born to be Wild movie. Not Born to be Wild, Easy Rider. Uh, that's what well, I'm thinking of the, movie, yeah. the song. 
Yeah, easy rider. So she was 26. So she was 40 something when she did Mickey. Yeah. She's definitely the first middle-aged chick I ever jerked it to. <laughs> she was midway, midway through her life. Come on. You were jerking it to the fat chicks. No. <laughs> I wasn't. Not then. The 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 fat cheerleaders. No, I wasn't. Honestly, I wasn't. It was <laughs> it was Tony Basil. I'm trying to think in nineteen eighty two, who would it have been? Probably the chick from Human League. You know, the 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 female voice in Human League. Um uh as much as I hate to admit it, probably some Joan Jet jerking going on there. Just because she was on TV all the time. Who else was famous in nineteen eighty two as a singer? Well, definitely Belinda Carlisle. Stevie Nicks. Definitely Stevie Nicks. Rindy Ross from Quarter Flash. No, never was into. I always thought of Quarter Flash as old people music, even when they were hip. Okay. I always, weren't they older? Like they weren't in their early 20s. They were like, no, they, they were probably in their mid to late 20s. Yeah, they they made old. My dad liked their music, so that therefore I didn't like it very much. I mean, they're okay. I didn't hate it. You know, I liked harden my heart and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't hate it, but truth be told, and and this is such a stupid, weird story, and it just proves that it really just takes the atmosphere you're in to decide whether you like or mu like music or not. I worked at this florist in um in um streetsboro in the in the streetsboro plaza the name of the place was a and f garden gate florist i worked there making corsages and shit it was one, right. of, one of my high school jobs and the guy that that owned the place and and ran the place this guy was fucking gayer than a three dollar bill yeah he was a florist oh he was a he was a homo's homo like really gay and he loved fucking quarter flash. And every time I would go to work every day, I would go to work and he had just the one tape of quarter flash and he would just play the tape endlessly. <laughs> never turn on the radio. It was always, he'd play it. The, you, and I still remember each side was like 23 minutes long. So every 23 minutes, he'd be like, Hey, Chris, can you flip the tape for me while we're making corsages and shit? So every fucking 20 minutes, I'm flipping over the fucking tape of the quarter flash. And we would just listen to quarter flash. You know, my four hours of work that I was doing every day seemed like four years. Cause I was listening to <laughs> yeah. the same quarter flash tape. Yeah, quarter, quarter flash self-titled. And I never got past it. I always, even now when I hear that music, I think boredom because I hated, I hated that job. And I really didn't like that guy very much. <laughs> And then quarter flash reminds me of gay florist guy. Well, I can understand. No. All right. Yep. All right. Well, let's uh, take a short break here. All right. Um, since we're talking easy rider and motorcycles and crazy shit, man. Yeah. Let's play some Lizzie board and some, uh, something from the uh, decline of Western civilization. Part two, the metal years. Lizzie Borden doing some uh, Born to be Wild. Yeah, man. So uh, here it is. It's Lizzie Borden exclusively here. On your classic metal show. <laughs> 
All right, that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? And you know what else is a lot of fun? The CMS Podcast Network. That's right, cmspn.com is the address. Make sure you go over there. Make sure you watch the episodes there. You listen to the episodes there. And maybe you even just subscribe so it's delivered to your phone to whatever podcasting software you use. But do it from cmspn.com. Once again, cmspn.com, cmspn.com, cmspn.com. We'll see you next time, fucks.